0: On today's show, Kevin Durant opens up on why he wanted to get traded to the Suns and what went wrong in Brooklyn. Plus, does Giannis's injury mean trouble for the Bucks in the Eastern Conference? And does Nikola Jokic deserve to win a third straight MVP? All of that and much more coming up on today's episode of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg, and I'm joined by Adam Mates, and we come to you every Friday here on the Locked On NBA feed. However, you might be tuning in, YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash today to get started. We'll get to Giannis's injury and Nikola Jokic running away with another MVP award here in a bit, but let's start. In Phoenix, where Kevin Durant was introduced as a member of the Phoenix Suns at his first press conference. Strangely done in front of a thousand fans, one of the weirder press conferences I've ever seen. But I
1: thought that was weird. I, I agree.
0: The the cheering after every Kevin Durant answer. These people have clearly never seen a press conference and know that <laughs> that doesn't really happen. Very weird. I felt bad well, reporters there. So,
1: in all sincerity, before you get to anything else, yeah. you know what it reminded me? What did it remind you of?
0: Uh, no, it, it, Nothing. Okay, right. it reminded yeah. me a
1: little bit of the Miami Heat. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, just, just in that it was an introduction/slash
0: rally. Like, oh, yeah, it, it this was Matt Ishbia all over it, wanting to make a splash. Hey, I made the splash, now let's throw a parade. Yeah, no, to that respect, I thought you meant specific the press conference weird media thing, but no, no, I, I agree with you.
1: I did, it just was a rally, it was meant to hype up, and the fact that there was a media portion to it was really strange. And I gotta say, Wes, this is the year of weird press, uh. Press conferences. I mean, Jalen Brunson famously never gave one,
0: other than right. behind closed doors. They um, did one to just the fans, no media. Yeah, exactly, no media. Which would have been better than what this was, too. By the way.
1: <laughs> well, I, and that's why I have to say, like, this is not a complaint. I don't want to be the media guy that just complains on this thing, but it is a little bit weird, I think, to combine those two things and to it make is. it the way that it was. Not, it, I don't think it was harmful in any way. But it is like it's just one of those things where, as you we get more creative and further afield from tradition, the more you go, I wonder what the consequences, like unintended
0: consequences, will be of this going forward. I think it was a little bit of the new owner thing too. Like this was sure. the first, he was like, yeah, just put it all together. What's the problem? Because he's never right. like done basketball NBA press conferences too. He probably didn't realize how awkward this. Was. Kevin Durant, I felt bad for KD. He was like, can I just kind of <laughs> get through my answers? Like I don't want to do the media portion anyway. And now there's applause. I know after, weird, after, like... Every time I say Devin Booker, everybody's go, going crazy. It's just like, <laughs> all right, relax. Um, uh, good thing they did the press conference, though, because we did get some news out of it that we get to talk about on the show. And uh, Kevin Durant during know. the presser said that he believes that the Suns have what it takes to finally win a championship, saying, and here's the quote, I think we got all the pieces to be successful. We got guys that have experienced what it's like to play in that final round. We have a champion, referring to uh, James Jones, the Suns' general manager, already that's overseeing us my Williams a champion as a coach so we got guys that's been there and that's half the battle just knowing what it takes end quote Adam do you agree with Kevin Durant um
1: you know I don't know in the immediate aftermath of the trade your first initial reaction is my god that's a lot of firepower I think as I've watched the Suns obviously without KD but as you watch them you realize they're just so thin and they are missing like key pieces of, yeah. of traditional
0: championship caliber. Did you not team. see Joshua Kogi go off tonight? Mm-hmm. I mean, Hey man,
1: you're joking, but I love Joshua Kogi. Like I'm, a, Josh, the I'm face a, Josh mask a nice little wrinkle too, but I just don't know. Like when you watch them, you, you realize they're going to have a lot of scoring and they're going to be really hard to guard. But if it, there is a team that can score with them, and I think there might be someone in, in in the West, or if there's a team that can guard them, I'm not sure one exists, but you never know. Or if they just have a cold shooting night I think to win a title, you probably have to win multiple different ways. We see teams that are able to evolve as the series goes on or to overcome circumstances. And I just look at that team and I think I, I'm a little bit a little bit more skeptical. Should they be the favorite or whatever? Sure, they should be right up in there. But I think it's less of a slam dunk than it felt like maybe initially.
0: I think I would have been there with you if the Suns had, had done this trade in the offseason, like in July as opposed to now. But if Kevin Durant can come back from this injury and play ninety percent, eighty-five percent of the defense that he was playing before the injury, then I really like this guy. We had not seen that level of defense from Kevin Durant in quite a long time, basically since he left right. the Warriors. And then, and then him and Nick Claxton were anchoring that Brooklyn <sighs> defense. If he's playing like that, then I think the Suns can win in a few different ways. Like they can outshoot you, but they can also defend really well too. I think there's a lot of good, rangy defenders. On that team, and if Kevin Durant's sort of the anchor of that with DeAndre Ayton, and if Ayton's bought in, obviously, which is a whole other subject, then I think that on both sides of the ball, they're going to be pretty good. Offensively, they're going to be absolutely elite, and defensively, you know, they're good, good enough.
1: Great r- rangy defender, Mikhail Bridges. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and this is where I'm not trying to take anything away from KD. I'm just saying they had a guy that did that. You know, is KD going to match Mikhail Bridges' defensive impact? Maybe. I guess you could say. I mean, he's a star. He's been there. But I, I don't know. I just it, it looks like that they're just they're just a little bit thin. But we'll see. Um, I thought the most interesting thing of the press conference though was actually not about the Phoenix Suns. I mean, you say a lot of platitudes. Every player goes to a new team, and when they get picked up like that in a trade, it's hey, I think we can win. I I came here because I believed in the guys, sure. and I like the guys. Yeah. But I thought the stuff he said. When asked, and again, this is where the setting became extremely weird that you're doing this at essentially a rally, but when he was asked about those guys, he at least is presenting it as a sort of no regrets, you know, and talked about really how he grew from being around those guys and you're talking about the Nets high- guys, the, the Brooklyn Nets guys, yeah. James Harden and Kyrie Irving in particular, I don't think he mentioned Ben Simmons, but when, yeah. but and mentioning those guys, really, he just talked about, "Hey, we just didn't play," and there was a lot of reasons for that. But I think that ultimately, this won't. It almost like he was forming this in his mind, and I and I take him at, at face value as
0: not a failure, more as a missed opportunity, meaning they never got the chance yeah. to be a team. He he mentioned. I mean, he was asked about Kyrie's trade request and said, "You know, this again." Here is the quote: "I was upset that we couldn't finish. I thought we had some good momentum. It was a blow to our team." speaking directly right. uh, about the Kyrie Irving trade request. So I thought that was really interesting and in how he got emotional kind of talking about those days in Brooklyn, like actually right. emotional, not like fake professional athlete emotional. But I agree.
1: I think he was being genuine being
0: sincere. My big takeaway too, was sort of everything he said about the Suns was the opposite of his Brooklyn Nets experience. Durant, said he, that he learned from his Brooklyn experience. He mentioned the stability at the top of the Suns organization multiple times throughout the press <laughs> conference. That's something that did not necessarily exist within the Brooklyn Nets organization. He talked about how the team uh, that he joined, the Phoenix Suns one, has championship experience, which sounds more like the Warriors than it did the Nets when he, him and Kyrie basically tries, tried to import that championship right. experience, and obviously that didn't work. He praised how – this was my favorite part – praising Devin Booker, how he handles himself using keywords, buzzwords like quiet and maturity, which yeah. kind of also feels like the opposite of what Kyrie was for much of that span. And Interesting.
1: Wait, wait a second. Yeah. Are we going conspiracy West here?
0: <laughs> I'm just – all I'm doing is reading between the lines. Okay. Um, shouted out the fans – and the Suns talking about how, like, back in 2007 and 2008 and stuff, you love the Phoenix fans. First, first, first uh, of all,
1: I think I, Phoenix does have great fans. We saw in yes. the playoffs, you know, some of the stuff. But again, w- name me a player that just switched teams at the trade deadline that didn't also say this exact thing. Yeah, Patrick Beverly is in out in Orlando
0: being like, Magic fans have always been really supportive. I love the yeah. King's Stripes, too, guys. <laughs> I've
1: always said,
0: um, but also kind of a shot at the Nets fans who don't super yeah. exist in a real way kind of feels yeah. like sometimes uh, uh but what really put it all over the top for me adam was just discussing uh bringing the sun's fans their first championship and we know in golden state that that wasn't the case obviously steph draymond clay they had won before clay had gotten or before kevin right. durant had gotten there um and in brooklyn he was trying to build his own thing with the nets we saw that turned out so The Suns are sort of, but that that was like kind of starting from scratch. Like, yeah, that's that Nets team they joined was kind of plucky fun, but they were like 500 and barely in the playoffs. Like, let's not overreact to it. The Suns are really sort of the best of both worlds where they have the stability and the pedigree, right? Uh, But they're still sort of starved for that first championship. So they really represent kind of a sweet spot of what, I don't know, kind of what what Kevin Durant, it kind of seems like he's been looking for for the last six years almost, at least in theory. Wes, I'm worried about you. You went to the
1: rally, you drank the Kool-Aid. I can't believe it. Where has Kevin Durant played in his career? You mentioned Golden State. Okay, prior to that, Oklahoma City. Had they yeah. ever won a championship?
0: No, but they were kind of like a new made-up team but, too. But they would, just did they like... have
1: a diehard fan base that showed up and showed out every single game and, and lived and breathed under... The answer yeah. is yes. They sold out every game. They had a Yeah, the difference is that he doesn't overall. have to
0: play with Russell Westbrook anymore. Yeah. <laughs> sure. He it's went like,
1: to Brooklyn. He went to Brooklyn. He went to the Nets or franchise. Did they have championships? I mean, there were a bunch of banners <laughs> hanging in that at rafters. No. <laughs> so part of uh, me looks at this, and I, again, the rally nature of this, and, and yeah. by the way, the quote you're talking about was one of those. It's a class. I've been at so many of these scrums. It was a classic player gets traded. Let's play the hits. Yep. And it was the question was, this is a fan base that doesn't have a championship. Been around for fifty five years. Wouldn't it be great if you brought that to the scene? Like it was if the ultimate. Like here, I'm gonna give you the nice. Okay, but can I give you, for
0: you give KD a little bit of credit here? Like when he was talking sure. about those old Suns teams, like the first people he <laughs> mentioned were like the Markev Morris twins. Like KD, go with the deep cuts. You know, it's like meeting your favorite artist and naming like you yeah. know like one of those songs that like never made it as a single. Like that's just. I don't know. I appreciate it. Yeah. it like I don't really know. I appreciate that.
1: I, I, again, I'm not trying to take anything away. When somebody throws you a softball, you tee it up, you hit a home run. That's yeah. what he did for all of these ones. But again, to me, I don't, uh, is that a substantive quote about how he feels or how he's approaching this? I think he likes these guys and they play a brand of basketball that I think he wants to win with. I actually think Phoenix is more like Brooklyn than they are like golden state mm-hmm. and just stylistically. And I have a sense that Kevin Durant wants to win this way yes. in a sort of contrast to the, uh, you know, the Steph ball, basically, yeah, of the he Golden State
0: wants, Warriors. He wants to win with Hoopers, right? That's all yep. we ever hear from him. Uh, a little bit of news here that that broke late Thursday night. The NBA moved the Suns Thunder game on the Friday we get back from the All-Star break to national TV to TNT. So maybe there's an expectation that Kevin Durant could make his return and Man. make his debut for the Phoenix Suns at that point. Should also mention that the Suns played a game hours after this press conference. They lost to the Clippers 116-107. to 107. Obviously, no KD in that one, but... A fun game, given how the Clippers have played, uh, given how Kawhi has played most recently, kind of an off night for him, missed his first eight shots. Yeah, but uh, Clippers Thursday are rising. Night, But a fun game.
1: Yeah, Clippers are rising. And this yeah, was an are. off night, as you mentioned, from Kawhi, but yet they still were managed to pull out a win. But again, Phoenix just so shorthanded that this is why I say they're so thin, really just missing Kevin Durant. But then you look at some of the guys that you're starting to rely on, Jacques Landale and, you know, uh, yeah ish wainwright and stuff getting getting minutes off the bench and you could just tell by the way the minutes distribution went tonight for phoenix they did not trust their bench for very long stints i mean those were three four minute stints and then rotate those guys off and get the starters back in so they're thin but uh i tip my hat to the clippers they're on a they're heading into the all-star break with some momentum and and looking like um uh like they might be one of the teams in the west you know one of the favorites
0: they're starting to convince me uh terrence Mann giving him good minutes at the one he was great uh, he was awesome um an off night from devin booker tonight but uh look this 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 could be a potential playoff matchup that would be really fun obviously with with Kawhi playing at this level and then kevin durant obviously being part of phoenix now that would be an awesome be matchup wild, in any kind of round yeah
1: yeah four or five matchup this would yeah. be a pretty wild four or five matchup. i think we're gonna
0: get it though like, I think we're going to get some real crazy first-round matchups in the Western Conference here. year. 20-plus 20, 20 games left, Adam, and we're almost there, man. Uh, coming up next, should the lack of a championship ring prohibit Nikola Jokic from winning a third straight MVP? I wonder what Adam thinks about that one. But first, <laughs> <laughs> today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by the Nissan Aria. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And our electric Player of the week is Jalen Brunson, averaging 34 points a game on 62% shooting. The Knicks are 2-0 this week, up to sixth place in the East. They are rising, starting to separate themselves from the play-in tournament race. So uh Jalen Brunson, good week for him. Um, the Nissan Aria, fierce yet refined, elegant yet exhilarating. It's a totally new way to see electric driving. Aria delivers a unique driving experience, serenity, intuitive intelligence, and exhilaration, all that up to a drive that calms and thrills at the same time. Roam free with plenty of range options, with Nissan's most advanced battery ever and several range (laughs) options based on trim levels. You have a lot of possible destinations within your reach. Carve it up with confidence, feel instant torque off the line, push ahead with all-weather traction and precise cornering thanks to the confidence and available E-Force all-wheel drive featuring Nissan's most advanced driver-assist features with cutting-edge driver-assistant features. Aria can help ease the commute with hands-off driving and even park all on its own and with a sleek lounge-like interior and innovative EV platform and timeless Japanese design gives Aria a new kind of interior space that comforts and adapts to the moment. So go electric, get ahead, no more oil changes, emission tests or engine tune-ups, a gas station stop, that's only if you need a snack. There are a lot of positives to an electric vehicle. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. All new all electric 2023 Nissan Aria shop now at nissanusa.com. We'll rank the most interesting teams after the all star break here in a bit. But Bucks played the Bulls tonight on a Thursday night. Uh, and and while Brooke Lopez went off for 30 plus points, awesome defensive player of the year game, Bulls hung in there for a while and then the Bucks. Uh, ended up pulling away uh, by 20-plus points, ended up winning the game pretty easily. But here the story is Giannis, who left the game in the second quarter with a right wrist sprain that he suffered. Weird play, chasing down Kobe White for for a block on a fast break. His momentum sort of just took him into the stanchion, and then he tried to break his fall, brace himself with the right wrist, and then just immediately, in obvious pain, started grabbing at the wrist, uh, checked himself out of the game, went to the locker room, never came back. He was ruled out. Almost instantly Um, after the game, Mike Budenholzer asked about Giannis, said that uh, initial reports were hopeful. X-ray came back clean, that he's basically day to day and that they're going to evaluate it day to day. But, Adam, we don't know um, really how long he could be out. Right. And it doesn't really sound like the Bucs know either. And fortunately for them, this thing happened right before the All-Star break. But this could be a potential wrench in things at the top of the East.
1: Yeah, after the the game, Mike Budenholzer said um, he'll see how it feels in the in the you know in the morning. They're hopeful. The X-rays came back clean. I know these are all buzzwords, but at least there was some like I would say optimism in the post game commentary. But nonetheless, yep. anything that makes you takes you out of a game like this and 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 causes something like that is concerning especially for a Bucs team that is the hottest in the NBA and looking like maybe the favorites to win the mm-hmm. NBA championship. I mean, honestly, I think that they have been in that sweet spot all year of flying under the radar, Giannis carrying them, and now they get all of their guys back and they look like nobody can beat them. So um, it's an unfortunate yeah. way to limp into the All-Star game, but I'm at least hopeful by some of the commentary afterwards.
0: They've won 12 straight that includes this game over the Bulls. It felt like like I said like the Bulls hung in there for a while, but it never seemed like the Bucks were worried. They were just sort of toying with their food the entire yeah. game. And that was what that was with Giannis leaving midway through the second quarter. Brooke Lopez was awesome. Uh Drew Holiday has been on a tear too recently. Um so I'm with you. I I think before this I, I had Milwaukee as my number one team in the Eastern Conference, maybe my number one team in the NBA at this point. And, and look, it's one thing to survive a few games without Drew and a bunch of games without Chris Milton, but the uh, not breaking news here. They're done without Giannis. Uh, and the other thing, too, is they're just a half game behind Boston going into this all-star break for the number one seed, only two and a half games over Philly for that yeah. three seed. Yeah. I think Milwaukee, you, you want to have at least a two seed at the very least. And with the number one seed being in striking distance, with so few games left, if Giannis has to miss any time on the other side of this all-star break, that could throw a wrench in things uh in terms of seeding, whether or not you drop, maybe I don't think they would drop so far to lose home court advantage in the first round, but you no. want one of these top two seeds.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, at the very moment, you're looking at they're tied in the loss column with Boston. I mean, so really this is you would say they're in the driver's seat. They have the opportunity to yeah. kind of control their destiny here. So um I, I don't know. We'll see what happens with this. I don't want to overreact because there just isn't yeah. any news update to it. Um, other than to say the Bucks are rolling right now, and, and Giannis in particular is rolling, and maybe even a, a M- MVP, uh MVP candidate climbing the ranks or Ooh. set to climb the ranks.
0: He's right there, and according to ESPN's MVP voter straw poll that they do periodically through the season, Giannis was among the lists, uh, uh the top candidates, but Nikola Jokic, the overwhelming favorite, to win the MVP this season, which would be his third in a row. That would be rare company, uh, as you know, Adam, joining Bill Russell and Larry Bird as the only players to win three MVPs in a row. Bill Russell won championships. Larry Bird won championships. So, Adam, given that the historical significance of this uh, is so huge, some people have an issue with Jokic winning since he has not won a championship. Do you think that this is a legit argument? I do. And I I know that might surprise you. that coming. Yeah. I just,
1: you did not see it coming. I don't think it's a legit argument argument not to give him the award. I think that these are regular season awards and that they are in many ways a time capsule. I see a lot of people say, like, how could we do this? This is supposed to be the record of time. Well, if he's the best player in a regular season and the awards for the best player of the regular season, then you should give it to that person. Um, So I don't think that you should be discounted. But I will say there will be a lot of pressure on Nikola Jokic should he not just win the award, but run away with it. And here's what's really interesting about this. He got 77 first place votes out of 100 people that were polled for this. By the way, not everybody that's polled is an MVP voter. I am polled for this ESPN straw poll. I am not an an NBA voter, an MVP voter. So this is not a correct sample. What I will say, though, is that this poll is only I think two or three years old. You know, Tim Bontemps has been doing this for ESPN. It has quickly become a part of the NBA conversation. This yeah. poll, people look forward to it. It's it's like a narrative piece that you kind of check in throughout the season and then it becomes topical and I think maybe even influences the vote itself when, you know, if you're a voter and you're looking at this, you go, oh, wow, I didn't realize everyone had Jokic number one. If you had Jokic second, third, fourth, you probably look at that and go, hmm, Maybe, Maybe I'm change. wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I should probably get uh, more like those others. So I think it's an inter I to me, I was more surprised that Jokic had such a stranglehold over it, and yeah. I suspect that that is not wholly representative. Like I think some people are like, it's over. Look how far ahead he is. I don't think that's the case.
0: Well, look at last year. Joel Embiid got much closer <laughs> to Jokic than I think a lot of people expected. Right, and and, and I do wonder if that will be the case again Embiid kind of lower on this list than I thought he would be didn't get as many first place votes I mean his name, his numbers are still insane and then right. he he beat Nikola Jokic head-to-head on Christmas, and I thought like, okay, this is the moment. Every MVP voter that wanted to vote for Embiid can just point to this, and it just feels like that game has been forgotten about. Like Nobody even cares anymore. Well, that's,
1: the, that's the other thing about this poll is it's. I think it's so dependent on where it ha- when it happens. If this yeah. took place two weeks ago when the Sun, when the 76ers beat the Nuggets and Joel Embiid had 47 points, I almost guarantee you that Joel Embiid would have come in higher. Yeah. I think that there's not just recency bias as in like last couple games, but recency bias as in the literal week that this is Straw poll goes out, and that's yeah. why I say I don't think it's totally representative, I think it's more of just a sense people have. But if we look at the schedule, the Nuggets host the Bucks on March 25th and the 76ers on March 27th. So, Jokic, assuming everybody plays and participates, Jokic will go head to head against Giannis and then follow that up by going head to get head against uh Joel Embiid. Uh, right around that same time, the Bucks will play the 76ers. In fact, they play them twice, once in March and once in April. I think a week after those those Nuggets games, they play each other. So in a one week period, you'll have a round robin basically between wow. the top three candidates. And I think that will determine the, M- the MVP. I think everybody will make their vote based on that one week's worth of round robin style games.
0: I'm with you, and I, and I think it's such a great point, too, just because it seems like a runaway right now. This is not necessarily a representative poll, and things can change so dramatically so quickly with this stuff that there's still so much time for voters to really make up their minds on this. Um, in terms of whether or not like he should be even eligible, given that he's yet to win a championship, I understand if you're splitting hairs and you don't want to elevate Jokic to that status of Bill Russell and Larry Bird. And it's like, it's just neck and neck between Jokic and Embiid or Giannis, whoever else you have up there. I wouldn't fault a voter for being like, you know what? I'm just going to give it to Embiid. I'm splitting hairs. I can't really, I'm, I'm right. You could talk to me one way or the other, and I'm just going to go with Embiid. Like I, I really don't have a problem with a voter doing that. Um, But I'll say this, man, like the nuggets are really good. I don't, I don't have to tell you that. Like they've got a legit chance to win the championship this year. And if, we're if it's like June and the Nuggets are sitting there hoisting the trophy as the champions, and Jokic didn't get it because there was a bunch of voters didn't get the MVP because there was a bunch of voters holding the fact that he didn't yet, had yet to win a championship against him, and now he's standing there with the trophy. I don't know that Jokic would care a whole lot, but it would look kind of dumb historically, <laughs> right? And and that's right. uh, there's sort of a risk there, but um, it's just it's such a weird.
1: Here's what I'll say, though. All three of these teams have a chance to be yeah. the number one seed overall. I mean, Philadelphia is only two games behind yeah. the number one seed in the NBA. Denver's one game behind. So all of these teams are within a game of each other. And are two games of each other. And it's possible any of them run away with it. And I think that would sway voters quite a bit. Denver right now has the number one offense, I believe, in NBA history. You know, that would obviously go a long way. Jokic is averaging a triple double and the Nuggets are undefeated in games in which he's got a triple double He has 21 an NBA high. Nuggets are twenty-one and zero in those games. Stats like that will sway it. And then you look at the Denver's defensive numbers. Denver has actually quietly been climbing up the defensive rating ranks over the, as the season has gone on. Yep. They're entering the All Star break thirteenth. There's a chance that they're a top ten defense. If you're the number one offense of all time and a top ten defense, that too will help your case of like, hey, I think this team and you know this player has made an impact. Likewise, if they fall, and then in the, the league-
0: Nikola Jokic is a bad defender narrative, which hasn't been true for a couple of years now. That also kind of the, goes away. I mean, if you're
1: a top 10 defense, it makes it a yeah. little bit harder to, to, to make that case, center. at least for the regular season, which is yeah. what this award is about. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks right now are at the top of the defensive rating stand, actually number two, but they have one of the worst offenses in the NBA. So where do those things come out? So mm-hmm. I just think that there's going to be a narrative set over the final two months of the season, and it's close enough between these three players that I think that's okay.
0: Did you tell Tim... Jokic is your number one?
1: I did. I'll tell you, I went Jokic, Embiid, Giannis was my one, two, three.
0: Okay. I like it. That's probably where I would have ended up too, but Tim doesn't ask me. Uh, Coming up next, can the Nets actually make the playoffs? And if they do, why we might be writing them off a little too quickly. That's coming up next. But first, today's episode of Locked on NBA is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and the calories? Then you have to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. And if you're like me, where you want to get and eat a little bit healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built with Built. Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious that you won't think that they're good for you. But they are, and they're perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Built bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond i'm not i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros and what's even better is that they are all healthy only 130 calories four grams of sugar a whopping 17 grams of protein perfect for your post-workout snack or some protein throughout the day and now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years We've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com and now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk up to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's club run in and grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Built bar has been a proud partner of the locked on podcast network. It is Friday, which means we're counting down to the weekend with our weekly power rankings. Adam, what do you have for us this week?
1: So I wanted to look at, heading into the All-Star break, who do I think are the most interesting teams in the NBA over this after the All-Star break, coming out of the All-Star break, which it, this year is coming out of the trade deadline as well. Yep. I have... Usually I only have one or two honorable mentions. I actually think there's a lot of interesting teams. So I'm going to run through the honorable mentions for me real, for you real quick. Okay. First, I have the Clippers who, <clears throat> again, in the standings right now, they are seated fourth. They are three games in the loss column behind the Kings, just one game overall. Because for some reason, they've played a lot more games than, than the Kings have. They have a very good and realistic shot of catching Sacramento and getting a three seed. And they just might be a lot of people. There are a lot of people's picks. So... For me, I'm intrigued. They got new pieces and Bones Highland, Mason Plumley. They might get Russell Westbrook also, which would be weird. <laughs> yeah, they're interesting.
0: Um, I, the Mason Plumley played great tonight. Like he's a legit difference maker for them off the bench uh, behind Zubach. and and so yeah, they're a game behind Sacramento for that three seed. Kawhi PG, like they're finally stringing together games where they actually play, uh, right. and so th- they look every bit. A, a contender right now in the Western Conference as long as they're healthy, which is the big if, and I guess that's the most interesting thing about, about them yeah. is their health.
1: The Pelicans and Warriors are both honorable mentions to me. They both would easily be one of the most interesting teams, except for they both have question marks with uh, star players with no timetable at the moment. So I, I don't want to say the Warriors are most interesting because if Steph is out for another month, they're not interesting. <laughs> if, the, if Zion's out for another month, they're not interesting. So <clears throat> those two teams are honorable mentions. Agreed, yeah. And then I got Thunder and Nets on here, both of whom are interesting to people like me. I don't know if they're interesting to everybody, but I think both of those teams are like legitimate playoff caliber teams that are under the radar, and I'm just curious to see if they finish the season strong.
0: Right now, the Thunder and Warriors would play no, no, it would be the Pelicans and the Thunder in the playing tournament. How's this work again? Seven, eight, and then nine-ten play? Yep, seven, eight and then 9 10 So right so now, the Warriors would Warriors play the Thunder, Thunder. They're playing. That's a that's a tough matchup for Golden State. Um, uh, and then but at the uh
1: same time, you're only a game and a half out of the sixth seed if you're Oklahoma yeah. City. So like they and they're really good. I mean, when they play their guys, they're really good. So I just I'm curious to see if they're a late blooming team. And I think they have the the second best record since January first or something like that, or or maybe December first. So they're sneaky good team yeah. that I think will surprise some people. But okay, on to the real list of teams. My number five most interesting team is the Minnesota Timberwolves, who lost tonight. We didn't even mention them, but they lost tonight. A very disappointing game. Maybe should have dropped them because they lost this one. Maybe yeah. should have dropped
0: them out of this top. Wizards five came back. They had no business losing that game.
1: Yeah. They had no. They got outscored thirty-eight to nineteen in the fourth Terrible. quarter. An absolute yeah. collapse. But they made some. Trades that people haven't really been too fond of, getting rid of D'Lo, you know, bringing in uh, Mike Conley, but I actually think that move has been sneaky good. This I team has actually found an identity. Gobert has actually been a positive impact player, and Anthony Edwards is making that leap a little bit ahead of schedule. To be honest, he's playing like I may might have expected a year or two from now. But they've been doing it all without Carl, Carl Anthony Towns, who I suspect—I mean, we don't know—but may be returning at some point afterward. Does that
0: make them better? Does it make them worse? And are they a real playoff team? It makes them more interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. given the theme of this list. I, I really like how they've sort of now bracketed Anthony Edwards with veterans who know what they're doing, yeah. whether it's Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, Kyle Anderson has been sneaky yeah. good for them. Great. Um, I like the Conley move a lot. Uh, it just, he, Already, you can kind of tell, like, okay, Conley knows how to get the ball to Rudy Gobert, and that's important to to maximize Rudy Gobert's value to the team. Carly Anthony Towns makes them better. It can't, like, it it has to, right? Like, he's such a good player, but at the same time, they have really found an identity without him. And there could be a little bit of a, a, hey, we kind of got a good thing going, and now we got to figure out how to get Cat touches. Because also, the thing that's happened since Cat has been out and I think people that watch the league closely, like you and I and, and Timberwolves fans kind of already sensed that this was going to happen sooner rather than later. This is, this is Anthony Edwards's team now. And when yeah. Carl Anthony Towns comes back, it is going to be different. It's Anthony Edwards's team. Now it's no longer cat's team. And so how does he fit into all of that is, is it is interesting. And that's why they're
1: on this list. They're a game and a half out of being out of the play in, and they are two games out of, hosting the first round of the playoffs it's crazy <laughs> they have a lot of swing potential and where they are right now they can go either direction number four on my list i hate to i hate to even say the word Wes. Oh boy here is how much i don't like to mention them but the fact of the matter is they are supremely interesting and that's the lakers the new look lakers they're sitting with 32 losses they're three games out of the play in just to get to the 10 seed but it's another way to put it is they're only three games out and those teams ahead of them all seem to be very volatile yep. and, and and struggling the Lakers crawl into the play and uh, especially with a Re- LeBron in Anthony Davis, who knows with these new shooters around, they're just dangerous. They're just
0: dangerous. I really like the trades that they made at the deadline. I I'm, I'm surprised how much I like them. I, I love the fact that they have a guy like Jared Vanderbilt who can guard other wing players and is versatile. And when you're talking about the Lakers potentially playing a playoff series against a team like the Clippers or you know, any team with a big wing, they actually now have a guy that they could put on that guy. And and they're better at shooting. Like Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, like those guys are knockdown shooters. And 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 I really like the deals that they made. And they're only two games out of the play-in tournament. You mentioned the the Warriors and the Pelicans already. Like if their guys don't come back, they could tumble out of the play-in altogether. Minnesota, we just mentioned them. Oklahoma City, as fun as they are to watch to, to NBA nerds like you and I, like I'm not confident that they're going to make the right. play-in. Like they're, they're a fun team, but I think they're, their their winning is in the future not right now the lakers are are interesting in that they have the the leading score in the, in nba history and they're currently <laughs> trying to fight into the play in tournament and they're still just going to be one of those teams that you know to use the platitudes that everybody likes to use in the clichés nobody wants to see in the, in in a playoff series but it's true nobody and it, does and it, i think they're better now
1: it's so true on talent, but at the same yeah. time, like that does not look like a happy Anthony Davis. <laughs> that does not look yeah. like a happy and functional organization. Maybe another,
0: so maybe another reason why it's interesting.
1: Yeah. They both have like, oh my God, nobody wants to face them potential. And also like they don't even get close to this and implode the first two weeks <laughs> into the post-all-star break portion. Let's find out together. Um, number three is the Dallas Mavericks, a yeah. team that like the Lakers just has a lot of, like, variable, uh, you know, we don't know what to make of them. They're sitting in the sixth seed right now, but as we mentioned, that's a razor's edge right now between yeah. six through 11. Um, and just who knows? Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic. Who knows what's going to come of that of, the, of that duo? So they're very interesting to me.
0: Yeah, how they play off each other has been something that I've I've watched every game that they've played, and when I say that, it's been two games that they've played together. But I, I've I've watched them pretty closely, trying to trying to like, okay, are they going to set screens for each other? How are they spacing the floor, and and there's definitely been some some glitches. It's been a little clunky, but that's to be expected. So yeah, how they play off each other to me is just really interesting because I think there's a whole other level that they can get to if they learn to. Sort of accentuate each other's strengths as opposed to just your ball, my ball kind of thing. Right. Um, and then defensively, like how do they put together just a functional defense is is also something to, to keep an eye on for them. Then you've got the top two teams
1: to me. Number two is the Milwaukee Bucks. We just yeah. mentioned them, but they've won 12 in a row. All year, we've kind of said it's open, right? It's just so open this year. There's so many teams that could win, and Boston's never done it. I'm just watching this Bucks team going, everything's gone wrong for them. They haven't had Middleton for most of the year. Yet here they are a half a game away from having the best record in the NBA, and they've won 12 in a row. <laughs> they have one of the best defenses, you know, that we've seen. They look very come. They might be the best defense now that they have everybody healthy. I just look at them and I go, I wouldn't be surprised if heading into the playoffs, we're saying, oh, it's the Bucs and then the field.
0: We could be looking at a Bucks Suns NBA Finals rematch a year removed, right? Like we yeah. could be headed in that direction. The Bucs get Jay Crowder involved. They got to fix the offense, though. Like you mentioned the offensive number earlier. They win without it. They win without it. And you know what? I also think a little bit of it is, I don't know how big of a deal it is. Because I just, Giannis is so unstoppable when he wants to turn it on. And when he wants to yeah. kick into that gear, which he will in the playoffs, I don't know if there's an answer for him. So, and, and then Chris Middleton, when he's healthy, the the net, the net offensive rating is is better and all this kind of stuff. So. I don't know, but they are interesting and, and right now they're they have a 12 game win streak going into the All-Star break, coming out of the All-Star break depending on Giannis's health, um could they extend that win streak? We've seen a few long win streaks already uh, this season from a few different teams, but a win streaks always interesting.
1: Yeah, I just they look to me like a juggernaut over these last few weeks and I feel like I'm a little early on this one. I think yeah. I think we're a week away from everybody going like, "Oh my god, the Bucks are just better than everyone." Um, and then the number one team, you knew who it was. It's going to be the Phoenix Suns. I mean, we, I, as you mentioned, moving that, uh, to prime time to national television on Friday does make me think that, okay, maybe KD's coming back then (laughs) they're going to be must watch. I mean, I think they are going to be hot and cold. I think they're going to win some games by 30 points against good teams. And I think they're going to have some nights where you look at them and go, that's not a contender, but the nights where they're on KD uh Devin Booker those two guys get the prettiest buckets in the NBA and I think there'll be nights where they just look uh they're fun to watch
0: Adam everything you're saying is what we were saying when the Brooklyn Nets first got together (laughs) with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving they're a must watch these buckets are gonna be so pretty Kyrie's buckets are pretty for sure And, and so yeah just copy paste now it's in Phoenix uh the difference now is they have fans that'll actually cheer for them and go crazy um and so yeah, the Suns have to be number one. I, I'm not going to miss the Suns game for the rest of the year. I mean, <laughs> it, you have to watch all of them like, just to see how this goes. As soon as Kevin Durant gets back, which could be pretty soon. Yep. They're number one. So I think it'll be an interesting
1: you know, last 20 games. It feels weird to me that the All-Star – is it always this late? Is it always just 20 games post-All-Star? feels like it's usually 30, 25, yeah.
0: 30. This whole thing feels weird, and then the trade deadline was during Super Bowl week. Like None of the the thing makes sense right now. The Super Bowl screwed up everything, I think. They
1: added that extra week to the football season. It pushed the Super Bowl back. Everything's backwards now. Everything's screwed up. It's a little weird. I blame the NFL. I,
0: I always blame them. Thanks for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Game to game NBA, every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked on NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Adam, thanks for joining me. Have a great weekend.
1: You as well.